Today's episode of Beyond the Rut is sponsored by Capshow, which is the ultimate AI content marketer for entrepreneurs who podcast, vlog, or live stream like yours truly. Stay tuned throughout this episode to discover more ways you can use Capshow for your content. For now, let's get straight into the episode. Welcome to Beyond the Rut, the weekly podcast that discusses faith, family, fitness, finances, and future possibility. I'm one of your hosts, Jerry, and in just a moment, Brandon Cunningham is going to join me as we have a conversation with blogger and podcaster, Chris Lewis. Chris Lewis started his own blog about being a dad of divas back in 2007, but today, after his involvement with various men's groups and fathering groups, he is now co-founder of a group called, or a platform called, fatheringtogether.org, which has just recently become a 501c3. And we're going to talk about how did he start this little blog about sharing his experiences as a father, a father of daughters, and now has influence in a community of almost a quarter of a million fathers around the world. So sit back and relax, unless you're driving or doing something dangerous that requires lots of concentration. In that case, keep us playing in the background while you concentrate on the task at hand, as Chris, Brandon, and I have a conversation about the growth of his influence among fathers and why it's so important to have a positive father figure in the lives of children. Here we go. All right. Hey, Brandon, welcome back to your own show. It's good to see you. Like, we're actually recording live in person, which we haven't done in, well, since the last time like we recorded. 17 years, I think. It wasn't that it's long. like August of 2030. Like, I'll, I'll or look something. up the calendar. It's been like three months, man. <laughs> three months. <laughs> this, 2020 has already lasted like 18 months. Yeah, this <laughs> is like, one heck of a year. It's like a leap year or something. I'm not sure what's going on. <laughs> I heard cancel culture wants to just cancel 2020 and move on. To the yeah, next year. exactly. Yeah. My favorite tweet I think I've seen is y'all all realize on December 31st, we all celebrated this year, you know, coming yay 2020. It's the year of all kinds of stuff. Now we're like, yeah, let's just fast forward to December yeah. 2020 and <laughs> bring in 21. Oh man, that'll be interesting. Um, but it, you know, people are probably thinking that, well, where's this Christopher Lewis guy that you just mentioned in the introduction? Cause now you guys are just talking about like canceling 2020. Uh, so anyway, I got- think what's cool about Christopher is <laughs> he has a, uh, he, he has been a film producer primarily for TV, but his film blood cult in 1985 was just absolutely over the top. And once again, this is why we don't put you in charge of the research. <laughs> That's a different Christopher Lewis. <laughs> mm. It's weird because you didn't look 75 years old, but I was like, well, maybe that's Wikipedia. Sometimes it gets I age very well. There you go. <laughs> Next week's episode is going to be on critical media literacy. And there you go. <laughs> my, my wife would like that. She's a librarian. Information oh, yeah. literacy is, uh, is definitely what she's into. So yeah. <laughs> read more than the headline. You know, oh, that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, this would be awesome. So we have all that real news, right? The (laughs) fake news. Yeah. Love it. Full disclosure, I never saw Blood Cult in 1985 because I was scared of those kind of movies. Yeah, I did not see that either. uh, Let me tell you about that movie. No, I didn't see it. um, I still don't watch them and I'm 50 years old, but (laughs) they still scare me. (laughs) So Christopher's calling in from uh, Michigan, I believe, right? Yes. Yeah. Just outside of Lansing, Michigan. Nice. I've got a good friend who's from Michigan. Um, it's a great state, especially especially in the in the summers and falls. You get away from the heat from down oh, down man. in uh, down south. 
I know there's some good hiking up there. My dad's from Michigan, and he always said that's where they invented winter was Michigan. (laughs) It's like, okay, I'm not living there. I will say, I will say, I've lived, I've also lived in Wisconsin, and I've got Uh, friends in Minnesota and other northern states, and there are definitely other states that have winter worse than (laughs) Michigan does. Now, um, I may have mentioned this in the introduction, uh, but my connection with Christopher goes back years. Almost as long as I've known you. On the set of Blood Cult? Yeah, that's exactly where we met. Funny, we haven't seen the movie, (laughs) but we were on the set together. There you go. Yes, that cult got me. Lay there and look dead. I was like the second guy killed. It was weird. Uh, Didn't even see it coming. Uh, There was no script or anything. (laughs) (laughs) But Christopher's done a lot of work with encouraging dads uh, to be positive presences in their families. Uh, There was a dad bloggers group on Facebook. That's where we initially connected. Uh, he had asked me to be a, a guest writer or, you know, provide a guest post for Dads in the Limelight, which is part of his dad, it's, uh, dad of Diva's um, blog. Uh, and then now, I mean, you're uh, one of the founders for fatheringtogether.org. That group just released a book, uh, of, uh, kind of an anthology of short stories of other dads and, mm-hmm. you know, their struggles, their triumphs, the, the moments they realized they were a dad. And that book is uh, Fathering Stories, Volume 1, which implies volume there's going to be a Volume 2, 3, and many more. Mm-hmm. Uh, he so, is the J.K. Rowling of fathers. You know. <laughs> that, I've never been called that. That's got to – can I trademark that? There you yeah, go. Put yours. that on the website. <laughs> That's one of the show notes. J.K. Rowling of books on fathering. <laughs> I love then it. do I have to pay her? I don't know if I have to pay, yeah, if I have to pay her, I don't know if I want to do that. Yeah. Well, what fair use? Well, yeah, we'll have to research fair use yeah. laws or something like just yeah. misspell Rowling and nobody will notice. <laughs> you know. They're McDonald's. We're McDowell's. Yeah. We're McDowell's. Uh, yes. Totally different. Yeah, totally different. Uh, so what kicked it off for you to, to start, you know, your own blog, dad of divas, uh, not just be happy with having your own blog. I mean, you are very much involved with a community of dad bloggers, uh, whether they are working dads or stay-at-home dads or dads of you know single uh, parenting dads, uh, but you've made yourself a presence in this community of fatherhood. Uh, what kicked that off for you? You know, back in 2007, we were expecting our second child, and I had seen many moms that I knew that were starting to that were just writing about being being moms, and they really enjoyed it. And I, I always enjoyed writing, um, enjoyed taking photos. I, you know, I, I I liked being an engaged dad, but I didn't see a lot of dads that were out there. And back in 2007, it wasn't a large community. Um, the dad blogger community was was much smaller than it is today. And I will say that I have to credit my wife where credit is due. She is the one that came up with Dad of Divas she, because at first I was I came up with I think I started on Blogspot. It was free, right. yeah. and you know I just started writing. But my wife said after we were kind of going back and forth about the name of it, she said, "Well, why don't you call it Dad of Divas? You're going to be a father of two daughters." So I'm like, "I love it." Let's do it. Um, so credit where credit's due. Give that to her. And it's kind of gone from there. Um, you know, I've always tried to not only tell the story of my own experience as a father, but I've also tried to share the stories of other fathers as well, because storytelling, I think, is really important. And, and that's continued on, even into now with Fathering Together, the nonprofit that I'm co-founder of. Um, I think having community is something that I think any father needs, 
but men are not always the best at asking or finding that community for themselves. Um, you know, most men are grow up in a way where, you know, if you want to be the man, you you just got to do it, right. You got to jump in, you got to fix things. You got to, you know, and to ask for help is a sign of weakness. Mm -hmm. Now that's not for, not, not every man, man is that way, but but I think, and so it's a little, that's a little bit of a, a, an overgeneralization, but, but to be honest, being a father, none of us know what the heck we're doing, yeah. <laughs> right? When you jump in and, and you're a father for the first time. So back, so for many years, I just wrote, you know, I wrote, I, I shared stories like Jerry's on, on being a dad, the dads in the limelight series was a great series that, that I would put out every, you know, a couple times a week. And ended up having almost, I think, over 900 dads in that series um, over many years. And over the years, I got to know a lot of the dad blogging community and then others outside of the dad bloggers uh, group as well. But I came to find that as a larger community that I was finding that I wasn't feeling like there was a a discourse that there wasn't a back and forth. There wasn't a growing between members, members. I mean, people, people in the community would share and they, you know, you'd get some comments, but on my own site, on my own Facebook pages or social media, I wasn't feeling like people were engaging. Maybe it was the way that I was writing them or things like that. But in 2018, so you can see quite a few years, I mean, 2007 to 2018, but in 2018, I went to the dad 2.0 conference. Um, great conference if you are a dad influencer and you you want to learn about um, not only being a better dad but being a great influencer in the sphere um, they they have a great platform and a great uh, conference but I went to that and Facebook was there and Facebook was talking about Facebook live so it had nothing to do with Facebook groups but as a part of it they they also were talking about the power of community and building community and so at that time I said I'm just gonna while I'm at this conference, I'm going to start a Dads with Daughters group. See what happens. So I started Dads with Daughters. It's now called Dads with Daughters by Fathering Together, and I'll, I'll get to that. But Dads with Daughters was started, and I started inviting as many dads that I knew that had daughters. And I, you know, I've, I met a bunch of guys across, you know, over the years and just invited them. And people started having conversations. I mean, you had everything from guys that were sharing and, you know, things that they were excited about, you know, their kid's birthday to, um, to people that were getting divorced and the challenges of, of not seeing their child because of separation or the loss of a child because of a untimely death. Um, you know, people were being very, very vulnerable, but they also were being very open and honest, uh, which I didn't expect at first, but it's continued to grow. And that group really blew up in 2019. Um, In February 2018, we got contacted by Facebook. And at first we thought it was spam. I'll be blunt. I'll be honest. You know, it was like that Nigerian prince that we thought was (laughs) giving us millions of dollars. And and, and they were like, yes, we want to make a commercial about your group. And I'm like, yeah, right. You want to make a commercial about our group. But it was true. They wanted to make a commercial. And so in May of 2019, a nationwide commercial went out. It was a great commercial, and it stayed live until November. So, wow. in, May, so in May of 2019, we 
Um, we started with, a, at that point, we were at about 10,000 members. By the end of the campaign, we were at 80,000 members. Wow. And then now we're over 125,000 members, and that's worldwide. So wow. we've exponentially grown, and yeah. we've had to really pivot to, to try to figure out kind of the direction. Um, the co-founder and I, uh, we, what we ended up doing was starting a nonprofit called Fathering Together. So every platform that we have now on social media and our website is like dads with daughters by fathering together, dads with sons by fathering together so that, because there are other groups that are out there that don't have the same um, focus that we have. Um, Brian Anderson and I are the co-founders of the, of the community and of the nonprofit. And we both have an educational background. We've got a a very educational um, stance to the things that we do. And so it's really important to us to engage dads in deeper conversations. Um, We're trying to bring experts in. We're trying to help them to be better dads in that way. But again, storytelling, the Fathering Stories book, the, you know, storytelling is really important, building community and trying to get fathers to to build that community for themselves in their own communities um, is also important. Um, and then, edu- I mean, as I said, education is really important as well. So it's been, a, it's a long time coming, but it's definitely, you know, we just got our 501c3 status. So we're really excited about that. Um, and things are just kind of, they're, they're moving forward like a steamroller. It's really fast. I really love, there's like no such thing as an overnight success. You know, people are like, <laughs> oh, look, they're an overnight success. But then yeah. when you dig deeper into the story here, you started this back in 2007 with just, I want to share my story with the world. And then that evolved to not just my story. There are all these other dads who are also doing something different uh, yeah. than what we hear about in the mainstream media, how we're depicted in movies and commercials. Uh, you know, I remember the dad bloggers group, you know, that was a big discussion a few years ago. And when I say a few years ago, it's probably almost a decade now. Uh, just simple things like changing diaper changing stations in men's bathrooms. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Almost unheard of. Now, every time I go into a bathroom, I see a, diaper changing station i'm like you know i wonder how much that was influenced by the men in that group you know Mm -hmm. these fathers who you know taking care of babies you know and shifting the mindset from i'm helping take care of the babies to i'm parenting my child Mm -hmm. Uh, just a big except you know need for acceptance around that and one of um, the problems with dads men in general but especially dads is like you said we don't want to admit we need help or that we're not happy about something or we're struggling in some way and so people weren't saying, hey, I need a diaper changing station or I don't babysit my kids. They're my kids and, mm-hmm. and I take care of them. And I, I'm not arguing with my wife about who cleans the kitchen or stuff like that. I'm trying to be a good dad. But the problem with that demographic, that person is they're working. They're working on their family. They're working on their business. They're working on their own life. So they're not very vocal. So people don't know they exist. And so it's easy to say, well, you know, all dads run out on moms and they're all deadbeats and they don't pay child support or blah, 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 because the ones that are doing the right thing aren't making any noise. So your community kind of gave them a voice where, hey, it's okay to, you know, who cleans a kitchen? Me. Well, I can say that without a bunch of guys going, oh, well, your wife makes you clean the kitchen. Mm-hmm. No, I voluntarily go in there because she feeds me and I would much rather be fed and wash a dish than starve to death and not have a dish to wash. So yeah. it's a it's a collaboration. And your community really does that because it gives us the ability to go in there and go, I have no earthly idea what I'm doing. And I'm I'm 
50 with grandchildren now. So I've seen this a number of times, but I love the new parents are like, I'm going to do this, 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 and this, and we're going to buy all this stuff and all this stuff. And it's like, you really have no idea what you're going to do until your kid gets here because your kid's not like any other kid. And having a group of men around you, especially, and I'm, I'm like you, I know women need it. They have it. And, and their, their kind of structures already built. Men are not that way. It's like, Hey, my daughter did this or my son did this. I don't know what I'm doing. And, and you need that judgment free zone to go, you know what? Your kid does not need 75 out, outfits with name brand <laughs> on it the first year. Cause they're just going to spit on them. That's all they're going to do to them. So here's stuff you can do. And your platform really creates that. So what made you, other than the fact that you became a dad and you realized, hey, I have no earthly idea what I'm doing, what was kind of your intent there, or at least gave you the the belief that you could do this without someone going, but you're not even a good dad. You don't know what you're doing or blah, blah, blah. Stay with us. We'll be right back. And now let's talk about how you can use Capshow to repurpose and market your content. If you have a business like me, you can upload your cornerstone long-form content, like podcast episodes or YouTube videos, into Capshow, and it will create all your content marketing assets for you. And here's the coolest part. Capshow is more than just a robotic AI tool. It's a powerful blend of artificial and human intelligence designed by marketers to help you organically reach more of the right people on more platforms. Go to beyondtherut.com slash capshow, that's C-A-P-S-H-O, and start your 14-day trial and see for yourself. Now, back to the show. You know, for me, I think that it started with the idea that I wanted to, I wanted to share my story, right? Um, I was an only child growing up, and uh, that being said, I knew that I didn't know everything. <laughs> Right. Um, at the, at the point that I started that my young, my oldest would have been, let's see, about two and a half, um, almost three at the, at the time that I, at the time that I, um, started this in. So, I mean, I'd had a few years under my belt, but as you said, I mean, when you have one child, that, that's one thing. When you yeah. add another child, a third child, a fourth child, every child is completely different than one another, it seems like. Yeah. So I only have two kids. I can't imagine. I know, I know dads that have nine kids, yeah. and I can't imagine that. I mean, I, I, it I blows buy. my mind. <laughs> right, and it blows my mind when you say, when it, you know, the, the amount of structure that you have to have in place to be able to, to manage that, let alone be able to have the time to be able to truly know and get to know your each child in the unique way that they need so that you, because just because you do something with one of your kids doesn't mean that that other kid is going to like that. Right. And th- that's not what's going to fill their bucket. Right. But we, you have to, as a father, you've got to figure that out now. So, so for me, I wanted to just start, just start talking, start telling my story. I never, I had an idea that I, it would become a business in any sense at first, you know, it was, Hey, I took a walk with my kid. You know, this is what we did. This is what, what I'm learning. This is these yeah. are the things. You know, sharing pictures of the day or you know just different things. And to be honest, back in 2007, uh, it was looked down upon by the dad blogging community to even think about a monetization in any oh, wow. sense. Right. That, I mean, it was a different time. 
And there's only a few guys that are still out there that would even remember this because in the sense that they're still writing today. Yep. Um, Doug French from Dad 2.0 is, is one of those guys. He was writing at the same time when I was writing. Um, and there's a few other guys that are out there as well that uh, still were writing. But, but to be honest, things change. And they don't, and a lot of times I, I still see women that were blogging then still blogging and still having their businesses, but I don't always see men that are doing the same. So for me, it started with just the idea that I wanted to write, but then it, it kind of exponentially got larger, right? you know, and I started seeing that women were making a living in some aspects with writing about this, they were working with brands, they were finding ways to support their family in different ways. I mean, I've never done this full time in any sense. Um, it was all, it was more so just something on the side. Right. Um, people that do put that much time and effort into it definitely can make some money in that sense, but it was never about the money. It was more so for me about how can I tell my story? How can I tell other people's stories? How can I help people to learn and to grow, be better connected with their kids? And it's still, that continues today. I mean, right. in a perfect world, could I, if I could, if I could make a full-time living off and do the things in fathering together that we really want to do, I would love to do that because right. it's something that I'm passionate about. And if you can find for any career that you want to be in, any, you, any job that you're doing, you want to have passion for what you're doing. And if you don't have passion for what you're doing, then you need to find something different. Right. So in a perfect world, if we could have tons of corporate sponsorship to do the gender equity work that we're doing and do the education work with dads and, and build that up, we would love to be able to do that. And we're hoping that that will be the case in the future because there is so much that could, that fathers can do together that could better society in the future because there's so many fathers out there. And you think about, just think about the fact that right now there are over 50% of the U S population alone is women, right? I think it's like fit. I think it was like 54, 55. Men do a lot of things to get ourselves killed early. Yeah. (laughs) But but that, but that being said, (laughs) there's still a huge issue with gender equity. Yes. Gender right. equity in regards to professions, society in general. But think about the power that fathers with daughters can have on changing that dynamic, changing right. it not only within the own, their, their own career, their own career areas or own jobs, own companies, but to change the world for their daughters in the future. And that's something that we hope to be able to make a dent in in the future, too. I think what's so great about your focus and especially the beginning was your goal was not to show people what an expert you were and to teach people. Your, your goal was to raise everybody up and teach yourself. You wanted to be a better father. I did. And, and so you didn't come into this, Hey, I'm the expert. I can fix everybody. You came into it. Hey, are you having this problem? I'm having this problem. I'm, I found this solution. You should do this. Or, you know, it was a shared community thing. And that's really how we change you know, the world is, and, and I, I preach on this from time to time, and especially to my four boys and one girl is just most of the problems in the world are our fault. They're created by men, you know, and I, I'm not 
getting anybody off the hook <laughs> for whatever problems they've caused. But as guys, if we're just talking about guys, teen pregnancy doesn't exist without us, you know, and, and broken marriages don't exist for the most part without us. You know, if we go into things right now, we can't fix the past. It is what it is. But raising that level of parenting helps the family, but also yeah. especially when you're speaking to a daughter, you're like, here's the guy I want you to go after. And I like one of the things you had said on your blog was, you know, I was afraid they would turn out like me. And, and now I tell my daughter all the time, I want you to find somebody better than me, somebody that cares more about this stuff and speaks into your life more. And she has an amazing boyfriend and he's a really great guy and stuff. But that's what I wanted my sons to be. And I wanted her to find. So you're raising that level of community and, and that in and of itself makes your story so great, especially from our standpoint beyond the rut is get beyond that. This is what my dad did or yeah. what a dad did. Yeah. I'm going to change the way dads are perceived. I used to work as a community educator with a battered women's shelter here in Corpus Christi. Which also and, doesn't exist without us. Well, yeah. You know, if we acted sadly, right, you wouldn't need so one of sadly. those. <laughs> um, and one of the programs that they had is a batterers intervention and prevention program where uh, men are court ordered. These are men who are abusers. They've They've been caught by the police yeah. charges have been pressed, if not by the partner who was beaten or abused by the state of Texas, right. because, you know, the state of Texas does have some laws if law enforcement would leverage it that, you know, now becomes, you know, domestic violence becomes a crime against the state of Texas um, if they're able to collect enough evidence on site. And so a lot of these men, actually all of them are court ordered to attend this batter intervention and prevention program. And um, the reason why I'm bringing this up, it's one of the things I remember the, the facilitator talking about after about a year of me working there. I was there for about four years, I think. No. Yeah, four years. Um, one of the things that was brought up was how heartbreaking it was that, you know, this facilitator is running this group of men, having conversations, and then she realizes that the new guy who just, who just showed up under court order is the son of one of the other yep. guys in the group. And then a few weeks later another man shows up who's the son of the second guy who showed up. So now you got three generations of men in this batterers intervention and prevention program who are all there, not because they're great guys, but because they were beating their spouses, their partners, their girlfriend, what have you. And it was like, that is the legacy that this grandfather learned to behave. Yeah. has passed down to two other generations. Um, when does one of them decide we're going to make a change? And, right. uh, and then I, I've seen somewhere, I've seen a lot of somewheres, uh, the impact of fatherless homes. So, I mean, you can have a father, oh, yeah. a father filled home where you're, you're teaching these habits and way of life that is not respectful of others. It, it's, you know, power and control, it's abusive, but you can also have the absence of fatherhood and mm -hmm. you know, the, the stats around that are staggering as well. Mm-hmm. That's what's so great about your site too. It's not about beating up men that have already created some of this chaos or, you know, really going in that direction. You're trying to go more in the positive direction. Mm -hmm. It's like, okay, you are who you are. You got here. However you got here, your dad is your dad. What are you going to do? How, right. how can you change that legacy? Right. No, I, I think that that's really important factor because, you know, we definitely are trying to raise up fathers to be better dads. And it is all about, you know, if, if you made mistakes, you make mistakes. I mean, every father makes mistakes. I mean, we, you know, there's 100%. no, 
Yeah, there's no, <laughs> there's no right model of fatherhood. You know, we're not preaching and saying this is how every father has to do it because <laughs> yeah, you, you can't work. say that. Yeah, you can't say that. I mean, they, they're, every father does something a little bit different. However, there are things that we all can do in our own ways to be able to be the best dads that we can be and be the most engaged fathers that we can be. Because all research shows that engaged fathers, present fathers, fathers that are um, active in their kids' lives are going to be so impactful in the lives of their kids for their future and for molding their future. And if we know that going in, then no matter what the situation, we need to do whatever we can to be active participants in the lives of our kids. Now, the challenge becomes that, I mean, not every, not every relationship or I'm going to say, it's not even, not every marriage, but every relationship that, that ends up having a child ends up together. And there are challenges there too, in regards to trying to co-parent um, I can't talk about all those aspects because I, I am, I'm married, right? Um, but I see it every day. I mean, we have a subgroup in our dads, in our communities called, um, called legal and custody issues because we had so many men that were having challenges with that. They were angry. They were upset. They were struggling to try to figure out how can I be actively engaged in my, in my daughter's life and my child's life if this is going on. If, I, if my child is not in the same home that I'm in, or I don't have the ability to see her on a regular basis. And some of that may be their fault. It may be right. the fault of a spouse or a significant other. It may be, it, it may be a joint aspect of, of the two people. But in the end, they're not together. I know that. But the thing that always comes become that always it always comes back to is you have to keep fighting and you have to be willing to do whatever you can to try and have some type of presence in your child's life and set aside the anger, set aside the hurt, you know. And and that's not easy to say. I mean, someone could listening could easily say, "Well, yeah. you're, you haven't gone yeah. through this. How can you say that?" And I'm saying, "Well, no, I I know that I haven't gone through this, but in the end." Anger can eat you alive. And if you let it, it's go that's going to seep into the relationship that you have with the mother of your child, but also the child itself. Right. And, and, and that's something that we try to say to, par to the fathers that we're dealing with is, look, every situation is different, but you still need to be actively engaged in some aspect. You need so, to be there and be present. What would you say, you know, I haven't seen my kid in 10 years. I got legal issues as to why I can't even be around my kid right now. How do I engage in some sort of fatherhood when she won't let me see the kid? Or maybe I shouldn't, a drug yep. issue or whatever legal issue is going on. How can I engage but not be present in a yeah. child's life? You know, I... I, as a part of this community, I have a podcast called Dads with Daughters. Imagine that, right? <laughs> um, but that being said, there is an amazing guy that I interviewed, and I've known him for years. His name is Ted Rubin. And some, some people that are listening today 
may have heard of him as well. He has an amazing story that he was one of the first fathers in New York State um, to to fight for father, his rights as a father um, after and his ex-wife really alienated his kids and told lies to them throughout their lives about how terrible of a father he was. And for someone like him that for years fought to be in his daughter's lives, but even today when they are in their 20s, some one of his daughters wants to have, have him in his life in some aspects, but his other daughter doesn't. Right. But one of the things he always says is, you never give up. He's, right. He has a hashtag called no let up. And for him, and I'm, just, I'm telling one story, but right. for him to go through all of the, the, the hurt that he went through and still push forward and still push to do whatever he can. And I mean, he'll tell you stories that he'll, he'll tell his daughters, hey, you know, he lives in, he lives in, he's, let's say he's in Florida. He's in Florida. His daughter's going to school in New York City. And he'll tell his daughter, I'm coming to New York City. I would love to meet you. Nice. I will be right off campus and I'll be here. I'll be here from these hours. Right. And I would, and, and I, I and I'm going to, I'm going to keep doing this while you're in college. And I hope that, that you will be willing to meet with me right. and spend even a sliver of time. And if he gets that sliver of time, he calls it a win. Or if he, if he gets a, a, a back and forth on text messages, he gets, he calls that a win because yep. he's still engaging with them in different ways and trying to have a relationship in different ways. So not saying, not being the, the victim in the, in this relationship, but also being proactive and doing whatever he can to be active and be, and continue to try, even though he did get hurt. He's trying to make sure that that hurt doesn't continue in his daughter's lives. And he's trying to show his daughters that he's never let up in trying to be a part of their lives. That's so important because in, in some ways, I, and me being a pastor, I have a lot of this guys coming to me, but she did this and she did that and it's not fair and it's not fair. And, and I always say, I agree. It's not fair. The court system is geared against us, but for good reason, we've done a lot of really stupid things. We've caused a lot of that preconceived notions about men and fathers and stuff that just is what it is. So we have to work twice as hard, but she doesn't have to do anything. I understand that doesn't matter. You have to do whatever it takes. Even if you're sitting in a coffee shop in New York City that your daughter for the last three years has not come, if she comes once, that little crack could open the door and you run right through it. Or it could be a little crack for years. Who knows? But your effort towards the kids is the only thing that matters. And if you take that example and say, okay, but she told a bunch of lies about him. What if the situation is the, all the stuff she says is true? You know, I was abusive or drug addict or alcoholic or whatever it was. So you've got to overcome that reputation. You overcome that by time and effort. Every day, every year, every week, whatever it was, I was in that coffee shop or I sent you a text or wrote you a letter, keep a journal. I'm not allowed to write them letters or contact them. Okay, then keep a journal. And write for years. Every day I wrote in this journal about you, and maybe someday they get to read that, whatever it is. Because you show two things. A, how much you love them, but 
The other thing you show is to other guys, other eventual dads, you do whatever it takes, as long as it takes to do whatever you can possibly do and, and build on that. And I love what you said about let's stop this hurt. It, it, it is, it exists, but there's no reason to perpetuate it into the next generation if you don't have to. Yeah. One of the things I love about uh, the book that's out, uh, Fathering Stories Volume 1, is the diversity of fatherhood that's in there. Yeah. So uh, you have single dads, you have people of color, you have same-sex um, fatherhood, um, you have new dads. Like, you know, there's no manual on this. Like, there's a baby. <laughs> it's not like a puppy. You know, like, yeah. I, I got to do what with that? You got stay-at-home dads. You have working dads. And, and just uh, the variety that you have in there. Uh, is is really good because those stories are all important. Talk a little bit about how that came together. You know, uh, as I said earlier, storytelling is so important, right? Um, And I've tried to tell the stories throughout my experiences as a writer and as a dad. And we've continued that with Fathering Together. So at the last Dad 2.0 conference that we went to, a number of our members, our moderators went and we had a conversation about how can we better tell stories. And we had some conversations with a few, our two main editors of the book are individuals that have written in the past. One is a higher education professional, um, a professor, and the other person is actually a pastor as well. And they both had written books in the past. So we talked to them and said, hey, how would you like to take what you've done in the past and be able to leverage the communities that we have to be able to pull in stories from fathers. It was really important to us to make sure that the stories that we were bringing in were diverse for our different age ranges to different walks of life, um, different racial backgrounds, et cetera, to be able to show that, as I said just a bit ago, that fatherhood is not always the same and the way that we father is not always the same. So the stories themselves are powerful. They're raw. Um, as you read them, you're going to see that they are very raw. And we've, we edited them some just to, for consistency purposes. But for the most part, they're what came out of those guys' mouths, right? Um, or from their brains. And it is called volume one. Our goal is each year we would have, we'll have more stories that we'll be sharing. And there's other book possibilities that we've talked about as well and sharing stories in different ways. You know, we purposely kept the price of the book really inexpensive. You know, it's only $1.99 and it's on, it's on every, every platform out there that is uh, for, uh, for eBooks. And we made it an ebook so that it could easily be, be consumed no matter where you are. So our goal is to continue to tell stories. And it's never been to, you know, make a mint off of, you know, you know, signing autographs on books. It's more so been these stories can help inform dads, but they can help inform parents in general or people in general about the experiences that fathers have in making the world better for the children in their kids' lives. And hopefully, it opens the eyes of others about things that they can do to better the lives of their own kids. It's good, too, for just kids to read, you know, younger people, because you might find out, in, or I'm positive you'll find out in this book, your dad did the best he could. You know, there's a 100% chance your dad wasn't perfect, 
but there's a pretty good chance he probably was trying. You know, I grew up with a, uh, a dad that worked all the time. He wasn't a terrible dad, but he wasn't engaged a lot either. I, I have a stepfather of like almost 40 years now. He's been awesome, but my dad wasn't horrible in the overall scale of things, but he wasn't engaged in things. He didn't know things. And that just, that was the time period you worked, brought home the money and that's all you had to do. You didn't engage with the kids. So I think reading this from a younger standpoint as a kid, and I'm 50, but I obviously have a father too. You realize some things about your dad that that he maybe wasn't as horrible as you thought he was, he was trying his best. I, I say this all the time. You find out how to be a dad after you're done, you know, and, and I'm not completely done. My kids are still around, but they don't need me from a, a, a young dad kind of standpoint. I'm more of an advisor now, but now I can look at them and say, well, yeah, that's what I did, but it was wrong. And I, but that was the only idea I had at the time. <laughs> you know, you figure it out. You go to the, like you were saying, or Jerry was saying with the uh, diaper changing stations, when I was taking my daughter to the store, I had to ask some lady to help me because there was no place to do it in the men's room. And if you've never been in a men's room, it's disgusting. Nobody should ever be in there anyway, but you definitely don't want to take your daughter in there. But it's a different dynamic you just have to figure out. And reading this book, you see every other dad on the planet has dealt with the exact same issue you're dealing with in some form and you get kind of a cheat sheet of, Oh, I could skip this step if I learned something about that. Yeah. Yeah. There's so much more to fatherhood than just saying, you know, the tough guy stance of like, if you want to date my daughter, just remember I got a shotgun, you know, yeah, it's like, exactly. you know, there's so much more to it. You know, it's the, you know, how do you navigate relationships with other people and, Mm-hmm. Um, how are you there to provide support, be that tender dad that is needed when, when that's needed. And, um, you know, I think a lot of men just kind of get that message of you just gotta be tough and strong for your family. It's like, right. well, what cause that's that what mean? my dad did. Yeah. So well, what does that really look like? And then you yeah. see all these other examples that sometimes strong means you admit you were wrong. Yeah. Sometimes strong means, uh, you don't yell, but instead stay calm and quiet. You know, there's, there's so much more to what strength really means. Uh, for you know both manhood and fatherhood so anyway and sometimes we see bad dad as like maybe alcoholic or drug addict or abusive or something and it's not even i mean that's more the extreme sometimes it is just something you say mm-hmm. you know uh, you look kind of chubby today or your hair is ugly or you know just the little things or the lack of encouragement yeah. You know, I'm like I said, I'm 50 and I remember in sixth grade, my dad said that I was probably too fat to play football. I still remember that. I don't remember what I did yesterday or had for lunch yesterday, but I remember that from 40 plus years yeah. ago. So it's the encouraging words. What I love about the community is you learn some of those things. Taking a walk around the block for free and just listening is a huge benefit and investment in your family. And and you can learn those kind of things in this community. Yeah, I think it is so important. I mean, and that's the thing, the value of community is that you, uh, what I find in, especially in our dads with daughters community, because it's so large, is that the men are much more vulnerable than I thought they ever would be. And that being said, I, I it almost feels like there is a feeling that we are that the community, it, there, there's a sense of anonymity, even though Facebook's not anonymous. Yeah. But, but you do get people that are just like, hey, it's my daughter's birthday. I love my daughter. You know, wish her happy birthday. But right. we also get dads that are coming in 
and they put some really vulnerable stuff in there. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. And a lot, it allows for these fathers to not only gain affirmation, but also gain ideas, gain, right. um, they're, they're looking for support in some way right. and they're getting it. I mean, some of the most, uh, some of the most popular posts in the entire group are ones where people are being vulnerable. We had a young dad whose child was going through cancer treatment and we allowed him to do, I mean, he just, he needed a place to be able to talk about the, the experience because he was really struggling. And on a daily, not a daily, it was probably daily or every few days he would come in and do a, he'd do a Facebook live about, Hey guys, this is where we're at. You know, this right. is where we're at and this is where we're at. And people would, you know, rally around him and people were really excited to be able to hear where his daughter was at and, and be able to share. I mean, and it was raw. It was, uh, you know, kind of uncensored type of stuff, but it was a way for him to process, externally process to people that he'd never met. Right. But it was important for him to be able to better connect and be able to better process what his daughter was going through um, with people that weren't his next door neighbor. Right. Because while your next door neighbor might be a member of the group, you might not be willing or might not be comfortable walking next door and saying, oh my gosh, I am really struggling. Right. You know, my daughter's pushing every one of my buttons (laughs) and I just don't know how to not get angry Mm -hmm. because there's this feeling at least, I'll be honest. I mean, I don't know that I would go next door and talk to my neighbor and say that, say something like that. Right. Because there's a feeling like you might get judged. Oh, but yeah. inside this group that is for people around the world, even though your neighbor might be in it, <laughs> people are willing to say those type of things, which I think is important. And I think it's Absolutely. cathartic too, because you need to be able to talk about things and you need to be able to share these things with a community that can help you. And there's still guys in there that have some of the same mentality that you talk about, like, and they, and we don't allow it in our group. So if we see it, we take it down. But some of the old, you know, if you, if you, if, if you're going to date my daughter, you've got to have, you know, got to, oh, yeah. you got to meet my shotgun first. Um, yeah. And, you know, and, and those things just perpetuate a version of fatherhood, a version of manhood that is not, it's not, it's not positive. And it's right. not, um, it's not something that's going to help society. It's not effective in no. any way. <laughs> yeah, we it's did not. it for a hundred years. Didn't work. Stop no. doing it. Yeah. More than years. Yeah. Well, what I, I, I think too, like you were saying, when you're being honest and vulnerable like that, you're helping so many other people. And and Jerry and I have talked about this. We've got a. a, a few friends like this that we've always said, you can come in to me and quit your job, leave your family and desert everybody here. But as soon as we walk out that door, don't do any of that stuff. But in here, you can do it and you're safe and it's okay. Because just saying, I, I don't like my daughter. She's really irritating me with this, even, you know, cancer treatment. Oh, you're supposed to always be supportive and happy. It's like, no, sometimes I want to just get in the car and like drive a thousand miles and get away from here. That's okay. Don't actually do it, but we can talk about it in here. You know, my marriage is just miserable and I want out. It's like, okay, let's talk about that. Let's throw it out all on the table. And 
then when we walk out of here, we both agree that, hey, you're still going to be married. We're still going to work on the marriage, but in here, you can say whatever you want. And, and that's what men need because we are in so many other situations like, well, how are you doing financially? Oh, I'm good physically. Oh, I'm good. You know, my marriage is good. My kids are good, you know, and, and it's like, then why are people getting a divorce? Why are people having these issues? If everybody else's family is good, it must just be me. And what I love about your group is you show that, no, it's every dad is struggling with the same things. Maybe we label them different. They're called different. They look different, but they are the same in the same kind of issues. You know, I, I have a, uh, six-month-old granddaughter who's, you know, perfect in every possible way. But I laugh at my son and my daughter-in-law all the time because I'm like, this is the easy part. You know, a six-month-old little girl is a piece of cake. You know, I could do that with one arm tied behind my back. I have a 19-year-old daughter that's a little bit more effort. You know? <laughs> so learning those skills is what's really, really important. So uh, for some guy that's listening to this, maybe he's got uh, a, a wife who's pregnant with his first kid, or he's got 10 kids and things have just gone crazy over the last few decades. What would you, uh, what would be your best piece of advice as his next step, maybe later today? What should he do next? You know, for a, for a new dad or a dad with a really young child, the thing that I always tell dads is as your child is growing up, get on the floor and, you know, grow with them because they will remember that. And if you get on the floor and do things that you may not be comfortable doing and you're engaged all the way through the process when, and you have conversations and you're talking to them, you're listening and really hearing them, which men are not always the best at doing. <laughs> but if you do that and you do it at, let's say, age five, then at age 15, they're still going to come back and they're going to be willing to have that conversation with you as well. And, and and that's so important because especially for anybody that has teenagers, you, you know that they'll spend more of their time up in their room away from you than yep. they typically will spend with you. Mm-hmm. And the times that you can have truly engaging with them while they're teenagers, you need to cherish that and you need to fi- find ways to be able to continue to connect and have those meaningful conversations. And But you have to build that up. Because if you don't build it up along the years, you're not going to be able to have those conversations. You're not going to be able to keep helping them and helping them grow and learn um, as they as they get older. Um, now, for someone that is just awaiting their first child, you have to do whatever you can to support the mother of that child until that baby's born, and and then and just and then keep fostering that relationship too. You can't get so lost in the newness of having a baby that you neglect the relationship that you have with your partner, you know, whether it's a, a man or a woman, right? Having a child can impact your relationship. <laughs> and if you don't, it will impact, it will. <laughs> yeah, it will impact. And if you don't maintain that relationship, that can lead you down the path of, as you said, toward divorce or toward this, a separation or, or a resentment um, that starts to build, that can only get bigger. And then when your children are out of the house, and it goes by much faster <laughs> than you would expect. Um, everybody tells you that, but it's true. Mm-hmm. You know, they, the, the time that you have with your kids is fleeting. And, and when they're out of the house, 
if you haven't built a strong relationship with the partner in your life, sometimes that is when you the relationship kind of dwindles because right. you've put so much effort into the relate into the relationship and the in the building of your kids' lives that you forget to build your own life too. So you have to always maintain that and think about that too. That's good. I think something Jerry said too is be willing to apologize. You know, be willing and and like I said, all of my kids are 19 at the youngest and 26, but uh, I've, I've apologized to all of them because at various times there's a hundred percent chance you're going to mess up. So show it. And, and this is sexist, but I'll say it anyway, especially showing boys that it's okay to apologize for messing up. You know, I yelled or I stormed out or I wasn't engaged. Excuses are excuses. Sometimes you didn't make the game because of work or a flat or whatever it was. Apologize for that. Take responsibility for that. Don't blame your boss or weather or traffic or whatever. Say, you know what? I didn't leave early enough. I didn't prioritize. And that's my fault because boys don't grow up to be men that know how to apologize unless you teach them that. Because we're told as a society and, you know, politicians and important people are like, well, that was just the way it went, but it still wasn't my fault. A lot of the really bad things that have happened in my life were all my fault. I made a bad decision, a quick decision or stupid decision, whatever it was, apologize for it and move on. That also teaches your daughter to look for somebody who's willing to apologize when they mess up. Yeah, that is so important. And I think that it's not easy. You know, nothing, you know, nothing that we're, that we've said today is a quick fix. Right. But being willing to admit when you're wrong, not only for the partner in your life, but your, but your kids is a game changer. Right. And even though we may, as men, we, we are not, we may not have been um, set up to do that. That doesn't mean that you can't, as you said, if you have a, have a son, teach them that from day one and and show them that, not just teach them that, but show them that you're willing to do it. And it may be against the way that you think and the, against the way that you were raised, but it's so important. You know, right. it, it goes down to, it, it, you know, one of the other things that comes to mind is it's like when you're trying to build your relationship with your children, you may have a ton of things you love to do. All those passions that you had, you love playing guitar, you know, you, you, um, you love the, you know, let's say Doctor Who, you, you know, you're a huge Star Wars fan. And you can try, you can try to engage your kids with those passions. It doesn't mean that they're going to love it. Right. But the thing is, is, as a dad, you have to listen, you have to get to know, and you have to be willing to put yourself in a situation where you might be, and this is the same for with your partner too. You have to be willing to do things that you might not be comfortable doing. Do and be willing to do things that they like to do. Yep. To allow for you to build a relationship that they're going to remember as they grow up. Absolutely. I know growing up, I always wanted a son that played baseball. I have four boys. Each one of them played at various times t-ball and coach pitch but never went beyond that even though a couple of them were really good at it and it just killed me 
And, and somebody told me that it's like, you've got to be into what they're into. You can't make them into the next Nolan Ryan or whatever it is. And one of mine, I loved skateboarding and that kind of thing. I have zero coordination whatsoever. I, I do good to just walk down the street, but he could do the flips and bikes and all that kind of stuff. And I had to just get into that. I, you know, went to the BMX track that I didn't even know existed till we figured it out and uh, skate parks and stuff like that, that I didn't enjoy. And obviously really couldn't participate because I wasn't very good at it, but you got to get to where they are. And like you were saying, get on the floor. You know, if they want to do hot wheels, do hot wheels. They want to cook things, let them cook, you know, let, let's, let's be engaged in what they're engaged in. And that will build that relationship because they're not many versions of you or your lost dreams. You know, I never made it to the world series, so I'm going to make my kid a baseball player. <laughs> it's like that, that just doesn't work. You can't do life that way. Well, this has just been incredible as far as a conversation about just parenting and dads and kids. And I think there's so much to learn, especially uh, from the book and getting engaged in the Facebook communities and that kind of thing. So if people want to learn more about this and get involved in uh, your community, what's the best way to get a hold of you? A couple of different ways. Fatheringtogether.org is the main site for our nonprofit. Uh, we are a newly minted 501c3, so we're really excited about that. But uh, you can find our podcast, Dads with the Dads with Daughters podcast. Uh, link, you can find it on there, but you can also find it on every other podcast uh, engine and place that you listen to podcasts. Um, you, we have our Facebook communities. The main ones are Dads with Daughters by Fathering Together and dads with sons by fathering together. I always put that caveat in there because there are other groups that are out there that are called dads with daughters or dads with sons. All of our platforms say by fathering together. Right. And it's important for that because, you know, the way that we have set up our organization and what we believe in is different than some of these other groups. Right. So, um, so definitely you can find that on fatheringtogether.org as well. Um, but you can, Please just come check it out. Um, be willing to engage in in different ways. Um, you know, join the groups, but also you know, even if you're if you are a woman and you want to get involved, we're doing gender equity work, and you know, you can send us an email at info at fatheringtogether.org, and that would be a great way to connect with us as well, because we're always looking for individuals that want to help us to better work with fathers, and we know that for some of this work. It can't just be the dads doing it. We <laughs> right. have to we have to work with women to be right. able to make this happen too. Because yeah. you know we can say, hey, we're going to be advocates for gender equity, but if we don't understand the experience of women, and we yeah. aren't having women as a part of the discourse, <laughs> sure. there's a problem there. Yes. Yeah. So <laughs> let's leave so, out half the demographic and see what happens. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. So 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 definitely we we encourage everyone to come to the table. And if the if this definitely sounds like something that you, your organization wants to be a part of, just send us a quick email at info at fatheringtogether.org and we'd love to talk with you. And I think that's great because your goal is to raise the family. It's not about making men great or, you know, anything like that. It's about making kids have a better parent, you know, and, and families stay together because that helps us economically, physically, mentally, spiritually, in every aspect. If we can build stronger family units, 
then we will have a better country and city and state and everything else. So if people just want to come by and see you, what, what's your home address? <laughs> Don't do it, Chris. Don't do it. <laughs> <laughs> Let's not go there. <laughs> just just wander, around, is, no. yeah, wander around Michigan and ask. Yep, you'll you'll yep. find me. Yeah, definitely in this in the summer and fall, wandering around Michigan. You might see me out. You never know. But but it's definitely a good time to be in the state. You know, we just got back on it from a vacation up in northern Michigan and and it's definitely a beautiful part of the state and and a place that I would always encourage people to go and and explore. That's nice. cool. It is pretty. So go check out fatheringtogether.org and send them an email. And if you get to know Christopher, then maybe he will give you his home address later on <laughs> in the relationship. We'll see. Uh, But we really appreciate you coming on and just the work that y'all are doing for uh, fathers. It obviously helps us as fathers down here in South Texas because we want our kids to have a better society. And and that's what we're all working, working towards. So we really appreciate that. Thanks for coming on today. Thanks for having me. Now, if you like everything you heard in this episode, be sure to check out the show notes at beyondtherut.com slash 228. There you'll find links to his original blog, Dad of Divas, as well as the new platform, fatheringtogether.org, and his podcast, Dads with Daughters. We'll also share some links to other episodes we've done about fatherhood, about healthy families, and so on. Now, we're so glad that you joined us this week, and the best way you can support our show is really nothing for us but to share this information, this episode, with other people that you know would appreciate it and grow from it. Now, We are so happy you joined us this week, and we look forward to you joining us again next week. But until then, go live life beyond the rut. Take care. You know, the best thing I love about Cap Show is that they have one of the best communities ever. As a Cap Showian myself, I always get invited to masterminds with industry leaders to get the insights and marketing strategies that take my business to the next level. Plus, they love surprising and delighting us. Go to beyondtherut.com slash Cap Show, that's C-A-P-S-H-O, and start your 14-day free trial with the Cap Show team today and join me inside that community.